0: We're in this wonderful letter, 1 John, we're going through and this is the Apostle that the Bible says is the love Apostle. We know that he was so close to Jesus, he's the one who was leaning against his chest that day in uh, the last supper. He's the one, he's the only one who was at the cross when he was crucified. Did you know that? All the others ran away, but John was there at the cross. It was him when Jesus looked down, he says, take care of my mother. John was there. This apostle of love. he's known as the apostle of love. And you know, if you look through all of the, the, the chapters that we've worked up to chapter 4, have you done that? I've said it a few weeks ago. You need to go through and, and, and circle all of the words love there. And how many did you find? A lot. Because he talks a lot about love. And I wonder why it is so. It is because love is so important. Loving the church of God is so important and, and guess what? We're going to talk more about that love today because God is love and we're going to hear that today. Somebody walked on this beach and wrote down there, God is love and I love it. I just woke the water kids back so that somebody else can walk past there and read that. My mother-in-law went back to South Africa. Uh, she had kidney problems and she had to go back because in new zealand she wasn't going to come under the state medical she wouldn't be able to go for dialysis in new zealand and the doctor said to us you know we need to make a difficult decision and she went back to south africa and uh, she lost a lot of weight there but she called me one day and, and she was in tears and she said to me it's so wonderful i was walking on the beach and uh you know she saw a bird fly in the air and my auntie was there with her as well and she said, while she was walking there, these words were written in the ground. These words. She said it was a lonely day for her. And uh, she was talking to God in disguise. And she thought the bird was nice to see. But when she walked on, this wasn't what she saw. But when I came across this last night, it really touched my heart. Because that's what she said she saw. And she called me. She, I was the first one she called. And she, she said, you know what? He really, he touched me. And you know what? I can say that this morning. He touched me. Amen. He touched me. Did He touch you? Oh, yeah. Did He touch you? If, if He touched you, your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. And He sends you messages. Sometimes you don't listen. Mm-hmm. And then He re-emphasizes it and he, he comes back to you. So I want to talk to you today about Love is of God. And we're going to hear that in our passage. John says three times in this passage for us that we need to love one another. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, He says, Beloved, let us love one another. You know, it's a commandment to love. And John writes down here, He says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. That is our theme today. Love is of God. He says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, again, if God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. Love is a big theme for for John. In verse 12, if we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. Three times, and I think it's really important for John to get the love message over. Remember, this is the John that when he became so old and frail, that they, they took him in on a bed into the assembly and he couldn't sit, sit up right anymore. And they asked him, they say, John, can you say something to, to, the, to the people, to the church? He would come up with a lot of effort. He would come up and he would say, love one another. And he would lie down again on his bed. And every Sunday, or every time, Sabbath, whenever they come together, John would be taken in there. And they say, John, you know, the preacher will preach, Iranians will preach and all of the others will have their words. And then there's John. He's still alive. He's frail. And they would come over to him and they didn't have mics there. And they say, John, can you say something to the fellowship? And you can imagine if there were new visitors there maybe. And, and they go, this is the apostle John. Wow, we're going to hear something significant from him. And he pushes himself up there. He, you know, he go up and he go up and he says, Love one another. And then he goes back again and they carry him out. And he did this every single time, time after time. Love one another. Little children love one another. So they get a little bit tired of the love message. And they came to they said john is this something else you can say you say it every single time why do you say it and he came up this last time and he says because it is the lord's command and if this is done properly it is enough it is the love of god brothers and sisters that drives us it is the love of god it's the love god is love that drove jesus christ to the cross amen It is the love of God in the hearts of those apostles to drive them to spread the Gospel. It is the love of God and I, I just wonder as you came here this morning, as, as you come in and we've got so many things in the world that has got impact upon us. I wonder when you walk through those doors this morning, if you walk with the love of God this morning. Have, have you come in here this morning with the love of God? You say to me, oh, the love is drawn so thin during this week. I've had a really difficult week. That love cannot grow thin because god is so full of it and he is love which is living inside of you the love of god love is an international language who knows that it's an international language and it and it takes nothing to love somebody yet it is such an effort for a lot of other people you see i love it when when, when we listen to johnny three times today he reminds this church let us love one another let us love one another he uses the word beloved there you see that word and he uses it so many times beloved go in the letters and circle all the times he uses the word beloved the greek word there for beloved is the word agapetos. and look at this now agape love is who god is god is agape and agape is a sacrificial love agape is something that you give that hurts you that is sacrifice it's not in the overflow. And this is the root of that word, beloved. And it means it's one who is worthy of love. So if next Sunday I walk in here and I start calling you beloved, don't think there's something crazy with me. I'm just thinking that you are worthy of love. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this place is worthy of love. Mm-hmm. Not, not my love. Let me just say it to you. Because my love in comparison with God's love is small. But because He lives in me and He's poured out His love inside of me, it's His love. Somebody said, how can I love my enemies? How can I love those who hate me? Well, because I haven't got love for them and you're absolutely right. You haven't got love for them and you will not find love for them because that's the way you are made. But you can love them with the love of God. It's His love. And that love, the Bible says to us, is a commandment. He says it here he says let us love one another let's be reminded of what Paul said about love Romans chapter 13 the love chapter the love chapter look at this one here it's so beautiful Paul writes here and I want you to follow really intensively this morning he says in verse 1 though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels I know so many people who can speak eloquent tongues of men and when they open up their mouths, but even myself, I go, wow, you know, that the Lord has put such a brain in a human being to be able to speak such a beautiful words over his mouth. Have you met those people? <laughs> there are people who's really good speakers. And, and he says, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. And now he says here, but, say that word. <coughs> <laughs> because but is a sharp contrast. And he says, "You can speak these beautiful things, but you have not love. I have becoming a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal." You know what he says? He says, "You are just noise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You noise. You may sound really <coughs> good in your own ears because you hear your own voice, but to others, you become just a noise." <coughs> Is that what you What you are this morning? I don't want to be just a noise. I pray God that I'm just not a noise to you. But what is the driving factor? What is the foundation behind it? It is the love of God. Listen what he says on, he says, although I have the gift of prophecy and man, there are so many people who want to be prophets today, isn't it? So many people want to be prophets because a prophet is a very important person, according to them. Why? Because a prophet is between God and man. And man, that's a very important position. Who believes that? In the Old Testament, it was a very important position. I mean, you hear directly from God. And these days, there's a lot of people. They want to have the gift of prophecy. And then they want to go out and say, Oh, I've got the gift of prophecy. Or they can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I know people like that. They can excuse me, they can tell you everything in the Bible. They've got all of these things we take and just remember like that. I haven't got a brain like that. He says, these people, all of them, they've got all the knowledge. And they could remove mountains with faith. Oh, such faith I haven't seen in my life, brother, sister. But, everybody say, but. Wow. Wow. Sharp contrast. They have not <laughs> loved. They have not loved. What is it? He says, I am nothing. I'm a, I'm, I'm a noise now, and I'm nothing. And now he comes and he says, Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, Oh man, he's going deeper now. He's going so deeper now. He says, I'm giving everything up. And i have even give myself up to be burned. You know, I'm going to lose my life. I want to show that. And now he says, But I have not love. it profits me nothing. He profits me nothing. I want you to look at these words here. It says in Greek, Opihelo Odis. Have I done that right, Mark? Opihelo Odis. That's the Greek for these words here. Prophets me nothing. And what does it mean? The word there, Opihelo means usefulness. If I come to you as a Greek and I say, Opihelo, you are opihelo, you are useful to me. You, you've got something that I can use. And then he uses the word odious, which means nothing. So he says, although you feed the poor, although you give your body to be burned, you are actually useless if you haven't got love. Useless. Somebody in your life thought you useless before? How did it feel? It didn't feel good, is it? And now the Holy Spirit comes this morning through the Bible and he says to you, Listen, we say it as it is in this church. It's not me saying I'm just obedient to the Spirit of God. He says you can do all of these things, but if you haven't got the love of God, you are useless. I don't want to be useless. I want to believe that if I put in all of this effort to give all of my stuff away for the poor and if I go and I say I will even die you call anybody over and they say deny Christ no I will never do that but you haven't got love for your brother and sister in the church he says all those things that you said is useless it means nothing on a contract somebody else will say it's like a donut There's nothing there. So I think that love is really important, isn't it? Well, I don't just think so, I know so, because John says this to us. You see, it's not only about love, it it is about justice as well. Because somebody might say to you, wait a minute, wait a minute, you just say that everything in the Bible is love, and God just loves the world, He loves every person. Yes, He does. But He's also a just God. Who knows that? Yes. And this is where we come to now. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. We've done gone over this before. But I want to bring it out to you. He says, this is the message we have heard from Him. And declare to you, God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. That there shows God's judgment. Because it brings light on darkness. And the light exposes. So the light judges. So, God is not only a loving God, but He's also a judging God. And, and you and I should know in this place this morning, if you sin, there is consequences for sin. Nathan said it over the table this morning. He said the wages of sin is yes. death. You're going to pay for something. And that is coming out under the judgment of God. You see, love without justice is incomplete. It's incomplete. You can't have love without justice and if you think about this if you have love without justice that's where you become sentimental if you have love without justice that's where you become emotional bias towards somebody and emotional bias is driving actions or decisions without a proper evaluation of ethical or moral implications mm-hmm. I know it's a lot, it's a big now there mm-hmm. but you become biased, emotional bias your emotions is driving you because you are such a loving person but there's got to be judgment in that as well but here is the thing brothers and sisters it needs to be equal you see if you have love without justice you become unbalanced empathy you become so empathizing to somebody you can't tell them the truth anymore and let it be known that the churches should tell the truth from the pulpits Amen. and justice without love is just legalism we find a lot of this Even in churches, a lot of legalism going on. Because there's a lot of justice going on. There's a lot of set of rules. If you break this rule, man, you're in trouble. You break that rule, oh, you're in trouble. You break that rule, there's a lot of rules going on. And this is what you find. If there's a lot of rules without love, then it's legalism, it's fear, it's hurt. And this is not only in churches, it's in homes as well. It's in homes, it's with your children. It is in families as well. We need to learn from the Bible. You see, God is light and God is love. That is the two. And they are equal to each other. God's justice is as equal as His love is. And God's love is as equal as His justice is. The two come together. And we need to learn from that. You see we see in one john chapter 4 verse 7 this is our theme: the love is of god love is of god and we want to explore three facts about this love of this love just three in the passage that marjolaine read to us this morning first of all god is love look at this in verse seven beloved let us love one another let's say it all together love one another how many times have you heard it this morning a few times a few times he says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I don't have to unpack that, that's clear. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, the first thing is that we see is that love is of God. But it's really interesting at the end of the verse, then he says, God is love. So God is love, and this love is of God, and they are fitting each other. I hope you see that this morning. And now we need to use this love to love one another. This is how we need to apply it. But I want to go a little bit deeper this morning, because I want to explain to you how it works. Because you can sit there and say, wow, you're a little bit over my head now. Because love is of God, and God is love. How do you bring it together, and how does it apply to my life this morning, sitting here in current downs? Well, I'm so glad you've asked, because I'm going to it for
1: you.
0: <laughs> I want you to notice here this morning, it doesn't say love is God. Have you noticed that? Love does not define God. God defines love you see because if you think about God is love that is his nature that is who God is he's not trying to love somebody he, he doesn't come to you in your darkest time when there's a lot of unforgiveness or hurt going on and he says man I'm going to try so much to give you something of me that you feel better no no God is that is his being that is his essence and that is critical to understand because you're going to see something beautiful. Where is that love this morning? Somebody say, show me the love of God. Well, I'm going to show that to you. You see, you see um, if we go into Romans chapter 5 verse 5, look at this now. He says, now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God, there's your word, the love of God, that's what we're talking about, has been poured out into your hearts it's been poured out into your hearts by whom by the, by the holy spirit who was given to us the word they poured out i want you to understand what the word means it doesn't mean i've got a picture here and you bring your glass and i'm just pouring you bits by bits in it means i'm taking that whole picture and i'm throwing it onto you this is how god has thrown his love upon you and me Through the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. Is He? Do you believe He's God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if God is love, God the Father is love, God the Son is love, and God the Holy Spirit is love. Because three in one. So now He says that the love has been poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit you see that is god's love and god is love and he can do with his love what he wants to do with his love and its purpose for him for his children when he created us to pour his love into our hearts adam and eve had the love of god within them before sin came in, entered into the world and then naturally we were born without the love of god you say, try and test it for me. Well, you just take a two-year-old child, okay? A two-year-old, a toddler. You say to me, they are perfectly born, they are perfect. And I go, no, they are born in a sinful nature. You say, prove it to me. I say, yeah, I take them into the mall and they want something. I don't want to give it to them. And then that child turns <coughs> into something else. <laughs> They fall down on the ground and they start kicking and crying and shouting and everything. I've seen it so often. And mum is grabbing them off and they... (laughs) And and my question is, who who was the example to that child? Was it mum and dad? Who did they learn that from? Well, mum and dad is not falling down and screaming and shouting. So they don't see it from mum and dad. Where did they get it? They got it from a nature. And here we see that... He teaches us His love. How does God teach us His love? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. He says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. (laughs) Who is teaching us to love? God is teaching us to love. But we need to listen to the Holy Spirit when He teaches us to love. And I love it, you know, this word here for taught is the word theodetaktos, This one here. Taught. To taught them. It's theodetaktos, It means that God is teaching you by divine instruction. Divine instruction. I love the Greek, don't you? I absolutely love the Greek. Because we just see the word taught there and we yeah, yeah, we just go over it. But if you go a little bit deeper in, uh, Theo dictatos, Theo God dictators, he dictates god comes in and he dictates in your life how you ought to love and you and i know this because it's happening to you if you're a child of god i'm going to prove it to you but first we're going to look in luke chapter 10. there is a man you know they came to jesus they said to him what is the lord he says you need to love the lord your god with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself and then he turns he tells him this parable he says there's this man who went on a journey And on his journey some robbers came past and they they mucked him. They beat him up and they take all his stuff. And there he's lying on the side of the road. And first comes a priest. Here comes the priest and he walks on and he sees this man lying down there. And what does the Bible say this priest do? He walked on to the other side of the road. But wait a minute. This is a priest. He's high in esteem amongst his people. Everybody looks up at the priest when he stands in the temple. He's got the beautiful clothing on, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got the oracles of God. He, he, he sees the words of God, the Pentateuch. He, I mean, this is a man of God. Everybody would go, wow, what a devout man of God. You remember what I said to you in the book of Romans, uh, in, in, in Corinthians 13. If I have all of these things and I've got no love, I become what? Noise and I'm useless. So this priest walks there. He sees this man lying there. This man doesn't need the sermon at that point in time, does he? Does he? We, we do it so often, isn't it? Somebody struggles in life and what do you do? I'm going to give them the word of God. Nothing wrong with that. But look at the circumstances before you do that. Sometimes people just need a helping hand before you start preaching the gospel. Are you with me now when some people are down and out you get those who come in with the bible and they want to bash them with the bible while they're out this man didn't need a sermon oh oh he didn't need somebody coming down and say oh i see you're in trouble there mate i'll pray for you okay i'll I'll pray for you see you later you get a lot of those people as well don't you and there lies this man what is lacking here the love of god here walks the priest High in esteem, everybody loves the priest. He He might have been the best priest. Everybody might have loved this man. A soft, gentle spirit, but no love. And then he walks past and here comes another man. Who's that? The Levite. You remember the Levite? He comes from a good background. I mean, come on, let's face it. In the Old Testament, if you come out of the tribe of Levite, you become, you work in the temple. You are known for your charity. You are known for your love you are the people look upon you and they say this is what we expect from you listen to me when people look at you as a child of god as a christian they expect love from you
1: yeah.
0: and here comes the Levite, and he sees this man lying there and he goes oh yeah mate i see you're in a little i'm just adding this in by the way i'm not trying to add to the bible I see you're in trouble there. Man, I'll give you a good sermon right now. I'll, 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 I'll come tell my, my brother. No, no. He does nothing for this man. He goes on the other side when he walk past. And here comes another man, a Samarian. The Sumerian man came up to this man, picking up, look after his wounds, taking to an inn. He pays for him and he says, even after you look after him, if there's any money outstanding, I'll come back and I'll pay that for you. And this Samarian is really interesting because he's not in high esteem upon the people. Why? Because Sumerians were looked down to because they had mixed blood. They were intermarried with other nations when everybody went to Babylon. So the Jews saw them as as illegitimate children. They didn't see them as the equal. But this man comes. He didn't have the sermons. He didn't have all of the fluff and everything, you know, the clothing. He had nothing of that, but what he had, he had the love of God. He walks over to this man and he helped him. And at the end of that passage, Jesus said, who have the love here? And they said, the man who showed mercy, who showed mercy. You want to know what mercy means? Mercy means not to get what you deserve. Not to get what you deserve. You and I sometimes come into a situation, and somebody do you wrong, and and they deserve what you're going to get them. They deserve every single thing you're going to give them because they've done you wrong. But you know what love do? Love turns around and he says, "I'm not going to give you what you deserve." Mm-hmm. And this is for your neighbour. What about the children of God in the church? The word is so true, isn't it? Look at these words here. He says. But concerning brotherly love, the Greek word there for brotherly love is Philadelphia. It means to show affection. He says, this showing affection, you have no need that I should write to you about this. This showing affection is really good because you see it a lot. It, it, it's that it's one of the churches in the book of Revelation. It's brotherly love. And then he goes on to say, I don't need to write to you yourself. You are taught by God. We just saw it now how he teaches. And by the way, before before I forget, I said I'm going to apply to you. I'm going to apply to you. This man that was lying there. You say to me, well, how does God divinely teach me to love? How many times have you come into a situation where you see somebody in a supermarket wherever and there's just this voice telling you, help that person? It may be financial it may be with time it may be with a prayer a brotherly (coughs) love has it happened to you has it happened to you god is teaching you every single day divinely that's what the word taught me then theodictators he dictates to you every single listen to me now how many times have you come into this church and be outside And the Lord laid upon your heart just to go over to somebody who sits all alone there and just to go and have a quick chat with them or talk to them. Did that happen to you? What are you showing that person? The love of God. The love of God. Oh, but I'm not an extrovert. You don't know me. God, there's no extroverts in the Bible or introverts in the Bible. All He's asking you is, are you going to be obedient? God can work with you if you're obedient. If you're not obedient, He's just going to wait. but there's a dictation going out I want you to remember that word taught there Theo, God, Dictators it means God dictates to you how to love, He teaches you I was walking in a supermarket and I saw an old pastor there and um, he was preaching from this pulpit way back then one service and I saw this man there standing in front of the fridge and he stood there for a long time and I felt in my spirit that this man needs. What did God do to me? He dictated. Theodictators. He dictated to me. We leave it there. But but I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, this is how God works. He's a living God. He works in you and me. The word there is Philadelphia. Then he says, you are taught by God to love one another. He uses the word agapo. And if you are by now know what I'm saying, the word agape is the root word there, which means it's a sacrificial love. It's agape means it is a sacrifice, it's a generous concern for somebody and its faithfulness to one another, to one another. You see, love is love is a true test of a Christian's faith. Love. We must reveal His love in how we live. One John chapter seven we can go back here. You see, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Two things: if you if you have the love of God thrown into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, then you are born again. Yes. Yes. Ephesians chapter one, verse eleven to thirteen. He says, "We are baptized by the Holy Spirit." We reacted on, on, on the Gospel and now the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father He sent you another Helper. The Holy Spirit who will live in you, He'll be with you and in you, how long? Forever. Yeah. So when He comes and lives inside of you, God comes live you and lives inside of you, then this is true. He who loves with the love of God is born of God, and you know God. Why? Because we start living and knowing God. If you, if you claim you know God, then you must be affected by His love. You must be. We need to become what God is, and God is love. That's true, isn't it? I mean, if you, if you take the Bible and, and you open up, my Bible is in the prayer room. I still got the Bible here, he's not preaching from his Bible, it's in here, okay? <laughs> If you open up the Bible in James he sees the Bible is like a mirror and we've got the image of his son and we change daily into the image of his son so if God is love we need to become what he is we need to walk what God is so the first one is God is love I hurry because the second one that we learn the facts about this love of God is what God did in 1 John chapter 4 verse 9 he says in this the love of God was manifested towards us everybody say manifest. Manifest. manifest That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Everybody say, through Him. That is so wonderful. That kept me up the whole week. We live through Him. This is love, that not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. He paid our price. He took a place that was ours. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, what we see here is, love is not only just words, it is an action. Have you noticed? He says, for God so loved us that He manifested, that word manifested is an action. He he did something with that. And what is the action He took? He gave His only begotten Son. And I want to warn you here, because there's a lot of translations who want to take out that word, begotten. And and you can't take it out of the translation because the word begotten means he's the only of his kind There's none other than him Because people say God had many sons one of those were Lucifer and Jesus is Lucifer's brother No, no, that is nonsense. The Mormons are wrong there. Joseph Smith I don't know what he was on but they didn't get that from God. You see it says it right here He is the begotten. Begotten means there's only one like it so if you have a translation without the word begotten either write it in or get another translation that is important he gave his only begotten only of his kind it's an action that god took that he gave us his son i want you to see the word manifest there because that in the greek means you don't have to remember the word but you need to remember what it means it means to bring out into the open and now I want to say to you today how privileged we are under the New Testament. How privileged are we sitting here today? You could have lived in the Old Covenant. You could have lived before Jesus came. And when you lived in those days, you wouldn't have seen Jesus. Because He was just a shadow. You would have seen all of the ordinances that was put in place in the Old Testament. You have seen the law. And you will have seen all of the books in the Old Testament, which is critically important. I'm not talking the Old Testament away. But these words are important for us today. He uses the word there. He says that God brought into the open for us His Son. So He was there as a shadow. And here He is as a substance in the New Testament. How privileged are we? We don't see the shadow anymore. We see the sun. We see the real Jesus. John is writing in his letters about the real Jesus, 1 John chapter 1. He says, Him who we've seen, who we've heard, who we've held, it's Him, the Word of life. I manifest at you. I tell you that I, John, the Apostle of life, saw Him, I heard Him, I've touched Him. He's not a shadow anymore. This is so fantastic. I get excited about it. I hope you do too, because it is is—it is so wonderful to, to know this. If you compare this to what the Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, he says, for the law, the law, having a shadow, everybody say shadow, shadow. of the... Good, everybody say good. Good. good things to come. So you've got a decision this morning whether you still want to live under the shadow or under the good things that's already come. It's under the name Jesus Christ and you can shout hallelujah. hallelujah. This is the son. He said it right there. He says God brought him into the open. He was here in the shadow. He is in every single of the feasts. All the feasts in the Old Testament talks about Jesus all the, all the, the, the everything points towards Jesus and listen to this now the law was not changed nothing has changed of the Old Testament no, no, listen to me carefully it has been fulfilled it has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ he is now every single thing that the Old Testament talks about this is what He did. This is the love, the true love. He, he, we don't have to walk in secrets anymore. This is the shadow of things to come and not the very image of the things. <clears throat> and never with these sacrifices which offer continue here by here make those approach perfect. He was manifested. Now the question is, why was He manifested? And uh, I'm just going to save some time here because I can go really deep into this verse. I mean, we can spend nearly an hour just on this verse. We can speak the now, but I know that some of you are getting angry by now. <laughs> he says it right there. Why was he manifested? You know, he says he manifested his son. He sent his son. Why? That we might live. Everybody say live through him. He didn't say that we may death through him. Is that what the Bible says? We live through Christ. My question to you this morning are you living through Christ? You see the Bible is so clear to us this morning 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 He says, and He died for all He died for all, God sent His Son He died for all that those who live, should live no longer for themselves Hallelujah! What? For Him We need to live for Christ There's a lot of living for self still going on Who died for them and rose again. So here He says we need to live through Him. Here He says we need to live for Him. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10, He says, Who died for us that whenever we wake or sleep, we should live. You see the word live again together? With Him. With Him. I've heard about a Sunday school teacher who got their little children in and he said to them, My little Johnny or Sarah, whoever you are, you sit down, you need to, you know, in your heart there's a throne. You know, there's a throne where somebody can sit on it. Now you are sitting on that throne. You need to step off the throne and let Jesus come in and sit on the throne. Have you heard that? That's so beautiful. But that's not right. It's not right. No, no. We live with Him. We live for Him. We live through Him. So what happens then? How do we correct this? We tell the little children, yes, yeah, correct. You need to get off there. Jesus comes in and then guess what He does? He says, now you come and sit next with me. Let's sit together on your throne. And now, now I'm going to theodictate like Linda you Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful word. Yes? You love, you love that book? You love it? Well... You can have it, brother. It's yours. Theo God divine. He dictates. Amen. Amen. <coughs> now, he lives in my heart. I live in my heart. Because I'm still here. I still got this. Paul says, "A oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of sin? He says, The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. This is Paul. It's not even... It's, it's Paul. And what is happening? In your heart, he lives with us. We live with Him, we live for Him, and we live through Him. How do we live through Christ? How do we live through Christ? It starts with a personal relationship. It's not a religion. It starts with a relationship. That relationship comes when I die and He lives. Yes? Like He died and went and was raised from a grave similar to me. And what happens now? As I live with Him, He changes me. Day by day through the Holy Spirit who teaches, who teaches me. Question again is, am I living through Him? Are you living with Him? Are you living for Him? Are you living that way this morning? So this is what God did. Okay? Now the last one this morning, what is God doing? We've heard that God is love. We saw what He did. Now the question is currently, what is He doing? This is what John addresses here in verse 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides where in us this is what he's doing he's abiding in us and his love has been perfected in us by this we know that we abide in him him. he lives in us we abide in him that's so beautiful it's like poetry and he is in us because he has given us of his holy spirit And we have seen and testified the Father has sent His Son and Savior in the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him. This is what God is doing. He's abiding in us. And He in God. What manner of love is this, dear friends? What manner of love? That the Creator of this universe will come and He will live inside of you. Think about it. He says God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It made me just quickly to go and see where God lived through the Bible. If we follow God's path through the Bible. His dwelling places. He he had a direct relationship with with his creation. You remember in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? And he heard the sound of the lord walking in the garden
1: mm.
0: walking in the garden so god had a special relationship with adam and eve yeah. he was dwelling with them listen to me he was dwelling with them yeah. but they could hear him and it's so wonderful if you go through the book of genesis how many in that particular place enoch walked with god mm. yes so god was walking with man there was a direct fellowship And then we know what happened because they sinned, Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. And what did God do? He put them out of the garden. They didn't didn't touch the tree of life. Praise God for that. He put up an an angel with a flaming sword to protect them not to come back into the garden because there's consequences for sin. And what happened? This relationship was broken. The fellowship was broken. The glory was not with them anymore. So then we find later on, he's finding a, a, a dwelling amongst them. He dwelt amongst them. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Remember when he started speaking to Moses? He says, I want you to build a, 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 a tabernacle for me. And he built a tabernacle in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. And when they finished it, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. And we see in Exodus chapter 40, verse 33, that the glory came down and it went into the tent. So God was living amongst them. He had a fellowship that was broken and now He was living with the people. But then sin came into the nation. And what happened? The glory of God departed. Now we find a more permanent place that he's built. 1 Kings chapter 8, we remember that he said to Solomon, he said to David, you know, you can't build my house and Solomon is going to build him a temple, a permanent. It's not a tent anymore. Now he's going to stay permanently with his people. And in 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 10, And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. There was a temple built there. And God could live amongst his people permanently in that temple So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord So first there was a personal relationship. Then there was the tent, and now there's a permanent place But then again the people sinned against God And we read that the glory left the house And then we don't read about that glory coming back again in the Old Testament And here is the great news, brothers and sisters. He became personal. Now, we find in 1 John 1, verse 14, and the Word, which is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory as the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Where is He living now? He says, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of God? He's living inside of us. Can you see? He was to Adam and Eve and um, with them and then He came into the tent and then permanent and every time the glory <coughs> departed and now He comes to you and me and He says the Holy Spirit will live in you how long? Forever. forever. Why? Why is it now forever in the New Testament? Because before the cross there was only blood sacrifices to cover sins. After the cross it was this either way. Mm-hmm. Let's finish. What is god doing god is abiding in us today and what is he doing he's teaching us to love he's teaching us his word he teaches and he convicts Theodictatos, he's dictating us how we should live three things god is love what god did and what god is doing knowing these things this morning again i'm saying like John said, Beloved, let us love
1: one another. Will you do that today? Will you go from this place and love one another?